Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, Callum here with a quick message from our wonderful, wonderful sponsor. Your home away from home is waiting for you at each of the resident hotels in London and Liverpool. You can enjoy excellent rooms in exceptional locations with heartfelt hospitality. Whitehall Sources is brought to you in association with The Resident, thoughtfully chosen destinations within thriving cities. The Resident offers relaxed enclaves from which you can venture out to experience the city your way with The Resident's insider knowledge. Speaking of insider knowledge, Whitehall Sources starts now. I would have loved to have seen her on that speed awareness course. I've done two. I've done two. <laughs> so, look, I think the main point is she took the point, she paid the fine, as she should have yeah. done. She was just exploring options for how that might be done. The independent advisor's also been consulted by me. So I think, look, right to draw a line under it now and focus on, as you said, distraction, because what people want us to be focusing on is stopping the boat. Hello and welcome to Whitehall Sources. I'm Callum McDonald. Great to be with you. Thank you for being with us on your insider take on politics today. You can email anytime. Hello at whitehallsources.com is the email address. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and all of that good stuff as well. Here with us to guide us through the minefield of politics is Kirsty Buchanan, former advisor to Theresa May when she was Prime Minister. Hello, Kirsty. Good morning to you. Lovely to have you there. It is. It is... I mean, it's another busy week. Um, you think things are quieting down, and then Boris Johnson comes <laughs> comes back. Uh, Yay! <laughs> more frothy politics. Yay! <laughs> Do you know what? So um, my son is currently doing his GCSEs, uh, and it's his birthday today. Happy birthday! Oh, H. happy birthday! Uh, he is sixteen and spending it. Uh, writing essays about Inspector Cold. Um, so I was discussing with him last night the moral imperative of Priestley's play, which is fundamentally about, uh, you know, Inspector Gould, who is this slightly metaphorical inspector that, that, that comes to discuss the suicide uh, of a young woman. Uh, he is the moral, moral imperative that drives the story towards the point that Priestley wants to make, which is the importance 
of taking personal responsibility for your actions, which seems rather timely, even though it was written in 1945 and set in 1914. I think it is uh, applicable to some of the stuff we'll be discussing today. I don't know how you do it. Not only, not only are you doing incisive political analysis on this podcast and your day job, but you're also passing GCSEs with your son. <laughs> well, let's hope so. Let's hope that I am helping him pass GCSEs rather than leading him down a sort of metaphorical garden path. But uh, I have faith. He's a, he's a, he's a great lad Aww. with uh, wonderful critical analysis skills. So fingers crossed for August the 24th for him and mm. thousands of other teenagers that are going through this rather neat, nerve-wracking experience at the moment. Do you know, I do not miss exams at all. In fact, I remember one day, it was a couple of years ago now, but I arrived home after work and I was hanging up my jacket and I had this overwhelming sense of relief that I didn't have any homework to do. <laughs> and I have no idea why I felt that or where it came from. But I was just like, oh, I don't have homework. And I was, oh, I don't know, it was so strange. Uh, right. Moral imperatives, taking responsibility for your actions. Let's talk about the brilliant Henry Zeffman from The Times, who has opened a new chapter in the Partygate saga um, around Boris Johnson and his behaviour. He's revealed in his latest scoop, he's had more scoops than we've all had school dinners combined, I think, but his latest scoop, that the Cabinet Office officials have referred Boris Johnson to the police over potentially lockdown busting, as political puts it, visits from his friends to Chequers, the Prime Minister's uh, country retreat. Um, it takes up most of the front pages on Wednesday's um, uh, papers, which is when we're recording on Wednesday the 24th of May. Uh, I suppose the fallout from this is really fascinating, Kirsty, because the Conservative Party are kind of chewing themselves up once again with all of this, uh, with lots of people sort of suggesting that this is further fuel to the fire of um, attacks. This is attacks. This is the blob. This is the civil service uh, fighting back and trying to tear people down, etc., etc. I'm just trying to untangle, the, the, I suppose, the Conservative Party response to all of this. Um. Okay, so many things to say about this. First of all, uh, if we're carrying on the exam metaphor, that's a grade A scoop by Zephyrman mm. there, or a grade nine, I should say, these days. Uh, I think it was Liz Truss that was responsible for uh, uh, changing the grades. So grade nine GCSE scoop there for uh, for the Times. Um, uh, so what do I... Look, there's plenty of things I don't know about this, mm. but there are some things that I you know, know about how the civil service works and what have you. Um, so let's just go with the facts, first of all. Uh, first of all, let's go with the delicious irony that none of this would have come to light had Rishi Sunak not agreed that Boris Johnson's lawyers for the parliamentary inquiry that has unbelievably yet to start into COVID would be funded by the taxpayer. Hmm. Yeah. So these are taxpayer-funded lawyers, right? They operate as public servants, they are civil servants. That's a very important thing to say. So uh, not since I think Matt Hancock said, I know I'll share my WhatsApps with Isbo Okashot, uh, <laughs> has something backfired so spectacularly. But um, so Boris Johnson hands the lawyers who are there to craft his defence, his diaries, which obviously uh, as a prime minister are not, you know, I woke up today and, and had to call that Macron. I really don't like him. He's mean. It's literally a diary of your events because... As a prime minister, your your diary is pretty much back to back, day to day. 
Um, and as a consequence of that, uh, they have uncovered what appear to be a number of serious breaches of the lockdown rules, both in Downing Street and in his country residence checkers. Uh, there is no doubt that they had no choice but to refer this up. Right? There is a civil service code, uh, you know, mm. <laughs> abiding by the law uh, is definitely in the civil service code. Mm. So what I suspect has probably happened is obviously they have taken this up to their, um, you know, their, their direct uh, chain of command. Uh, they have taken the decision um, that this needs to be referred to the police. And that is unquestionably the right thing to do, of course. The issue then comes from uh, the Borisite saying, oh, this is a stitch up, this is the blob. The head of the cabinet office where all this, the department where all this takes purview, the head of the, the current ministerial head of the cabinet office is Oliver Dowden. Oliver Dowden is a, is a, is a close friend and lieutenant of Rishi Sunak. And obviously the Borisites uh, still believe, despite all evidence to the contrary, that Boris was brought down, not by Boris and Boris's actions, but by Rishi Sunak and, and his allies. So they think and have charged that Oliver Dowden somehow or other has been involved in this. Now, uh, what I suspect is because the civil servants, particularly senior civil servants, never do anything without getting, you know, back cover. Uh, but it is not a ministerial decision. It is not up for debate. They have no choice. So if, and it is an if because I do not know, if Oliver Dowden, as head of the Cabinet Office ministerially, had any sight of this in his box, it would be a submission from, you know, uh, the, the senior civil servant who's taken this decision and all it would say would be to note. It's not up for debate. It's not a ministerial decision. It's gone into the box just so that the, the minister is aware. Uh, and I don't know that that has happened, but I would find it, you know, extraordinary if they've taken such a politically potentially inflammatory move without Oliver Dowden having sight of it. But that is not the same thing as asking for his permission. You have plenty of subs in your box which just say to note. Mm -hmm. um, and the action has already been taken. So uh, I think that's the first thing to say. Uh, for the Borisites that are now busy, you know, stamping their feet, uh, and saying this is a stitch up, and I think Boris has said it himself. Yeah, he it's, did. Just... That's, that's where it originated. A politically motivated stitch up is the quote. Unfounded suggestions, both to the police and to the privileges committee. Um, he really led the charge, actually, on on that being the line, if you like. I mean, look, my 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 general feeling about this, particularly on the other, you know, if you juxtapose this with other things that have happened today. I just want to say to them, all of them, get your head out of your arse. You know, we have, uh, you know, a country with an incredibly fragile economy, an NHS on its knees, inflation albeit having fallen a little bit uh, is still incredibly high and the cost of people's food uh, is extraordinary. We still have hundreds of thousands of public sector workers uh, routinely on strike. And this, this is what you want to pick a fight on? Mm. You know, it's not a stitch up. It's not a rob. If it gets referred to the police and there's no action to be taken, that's that. But yeah. it is, there is no doubt that it is the right and proper thing for the civil service to do. It's not some part of some secret cabal in the civil service going, right, we're going to pick off the Brexiteers one by one. <laughs> Until what?
<laughs> well, on, and you know. on that, and on the other hand, on the other side of that, um, Al- Johnson allies and figures on the Tory right, in terms of the response to all of this, uh, one telling Playbook, it is time for Conservatives to stick together against the actions of the blob. If it transpires that Conservative ministers were complicit in this stitch-up, then the membership will mobilise to remove them as MPs. So while they're throwing allegations of, you know, the blob mobilising against their their Boris Johnson, uh, their in inverted commas leader, they're actually suggesting that that's what they're going to do is they're going to coalesce and then take some sort of concerted action against against those. This the civil the civil war within the Conservative Party has never gone away. Rishi Sunak has not been able to fix that. It would seem. And all these people on the centre right seem to have forgotten, which I think is a really weird thing to have forgotten this close to an election, that they are elected to serve the public. They're not elected to serve Boris Johnson, nor are they elected to serve Boris Johnson's proxy, whoever Braverman or whoever the next Boris proxy is. Mm. They're not elected to, you know, get involved in internecine warfare within the Conservative Party about who leads it and how they lead it. They are there to do their job, and that they are singularly failing to do. Now, I don't know uh, whether this is... Uh, you know, this is so uh, spectacularly self-indulgent uh, that I, it is tempting to think that this is just part of a kind of uh, attempt to be king of the ashes. Mm. You know, mm. there is no way that, you know, disunited parties are attractive to the electorate. They're so driven by their hatred of Rishi Sunak, so convinced that their hero has been cruelly ripped from office by a wicked plot rather than his own behaviour, that they would rather uh, do everything they can to destabilise the government and uh, lose the next election in order that Rishi Sunak would then inevitably have to stand down and they can get their person back in. Um, Look, and I don't know whether that's true or whether this is just you know, uh, a self-serving, self-indulgent temper tantrum by a load of baby men. I don't know. <laughs> but either way, I know it's supremely unattractive uh, and completely, completely irrelevant to not 99%, probably about 100% or 99.9% recurring of people in this country. Mm. Right? We've got cost of living crisis, yeah. a health service on its knees, Public sector disputes. I mean, you know, the intray that the 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 Rishi Sunak has to deal with when he has to keep getting pulled away from it to deal with this incessant, you know, moony cult of Boris followers is it's just galling. I'm sorry, it's really got my goat this morning. <laughs> no, I hear that. I hear that, and I th- I think there is that there is just that fatigue and exhaustion. Um, I was listening to the radio this morning. Lots of people sort of just getting in touch, saying, "Why doesn't he just go away? Why doesn't Boris Johnson just go away and do his thing?" Which is out with the realm of kind of politics and political sphere and all of that. Uh, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I'd be curious if you remind of that Monty Python uh, bit in the life of Brian, <laughs> when Brian's mum turns around to me and she says, "You're not the Messiah. You're a very naughty boy." <laughs> <laughs> and that's the podcast title sorted. <laughs> Uh, perfect. Thanks for that. Uh, uh, I suppose the sort of blob stuff has been feeding off the Suella Braverman um, speeding fine row as well. Yeah. And just before we started recording, um, actually, Ben Riley Smith 
uh, of the Telegraph, political editor of the Daily Telegraph, says, uh, Suella Braverman will remain Home Secretary after Rishi Sunak decided not to sack her over speeding fine row. Uh, There's also no formal inquiry expected. Um, The PM's ministerial interest advisor has been involved in recent days. Exchange of letters due today reports Ben Riley-Smith. So Ella Braverman's another one that's caused a bit of an issue, or or should I say ongoing issues, for the Prime Minister um, in the last, well, since she was appointed even. That was even, it was a controversial (laughs) appointment. Um, I noted Hugo Rifkin's take on this a few days ago, which was, I'm paraphrasing, but basically... uh, when you quantify the amount of difficulty that Suella Braverman has caused Rishi Sunak in exchange for a week of political convenience when he became Prime Minister, in the cost-benefit analysis, has it really been worth it up until now? Uh, I mean, look, there's a longer-term ROI on it, mm. um, and the uh, longer-term is uh, trying to dis- you know, to, to, to keep a lid on the very people that I've just been uh, <laughs> moaning about. Now, there's a judgment to be had about, you know, whether you continue to, you know, give her the platform to be the queen over the water, as it were. Um, but, you know, it is a political assessment that, you know, as things are, uh, as I like to say, frothy at the moment, <laughs> it would be a very ill-advised move, particularly on something which isn't... I mean, it's not a slam dunk of an issue, mm. is it? Uh, it? It, you know, it is. It is literally uh, potentially an argument around semantics about whether she simply asked a question of her civil servants about whether she could have a, a private uh, a course to avoid taking speeding uh, points, mm. uh, or whether she asked them to arrange to have a private course, and that is the kind of angel on a pinhead here. Everybody, even Suella Braverman, if she's been caught speeding, is perfectly entitled to do a speeding course or take the points. Now, she simply said, you know, I asked if I could do a private course for, you know, she says obvious reasons. I'm plenty of famous people have to go through the embarrassment of doing one of those uh, courses and you do have to be on screen all the time because otherwise you'd just sit through an hour and a half you know, course off screen reading a book or what have you. Um, uh, clear that I've gone through one myself. Yeah, likewise. Um, uh, you know, and if for a variety of reasons you don't want to, you 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 take the point. Mm. So um, uh, I think if there isn't, you know, I thought it was always going to be a struggle to say to prove um, that she'd asked them to arrange it and that they had said no. Um, you know, she set, but, but you know, it was always a tight one because she set herself uh, a very high uh, standard bar. You'll remember when she resigned over sending some documents uh, on to, uh, well, it turned out to be um, a, a colleague's wife, actually, rather than the colleague that she meant to go to. Uh, and she offered a resignation saying it was a technical infringement of the rules. Nevertheless, it is right for me to go. I have made a mistake. I accept responsibility. I resign. Um, I mean, her position on that is she hasn't made a mistake. She simply asked, was told, uh, you know, no, and uh, got on and took the points. Um, my own personal view is, is it a bit of a storm in a teacup? Yep, feels like that to me. Uh, is it part of a, 
you know, of a machinations of of the blob determined to to take out Brexiteers one by one. Hell no. Um, You know, again, it's simply civil servants being, you know, concerned about being drawn into things that they shouldn't. And look, you know, these sorts of things happen, uh, you know, on a regular, relatively regular basis, sometimes because of ministers kind of pushing their luck, sometimes out of sheer ignorance of the rules. Yeah. Uh, sometimes because they're just busy and they didn't really kind of think through, you know. Um, uh, But it's not, you know, there's this great quote about, you know, the civil service is like a blob, like Pac-Man, they're eating us one by one. I'm just like, (laughs) calm down, you know. (laughs) It's not. The civil service have got way more work to do and more important things to do than spend their time working out how they can take out the next Brexiteer. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, exactly. They're kind of busy yeah, well, doing their actual day jobs. Exactly that. And I suppose, you know, there is a code for a reason and sticking to the code that exists um, is is act, that is neutrality in action. That's the point of the code. Um, and so if the outcome of that feels like some sort of attack, well, actually, that's nobody's fault. The, the code is neutral and the behaviour in sticking to the code is neutral. Um, yeah. And look, and we have a lot of centre-right uh, conservatives who quite rightly uh, repeat again and again and again the importance of the impartiality of the BBC, how fundamental that is to our democracy, that it maintains its impartiality, because it serves all licence fee payers. That is, you know, that is the unique reason why, you know, impartiality uh, above everything else is the number one priority of the BBC. Well, the same is true uh, of the civil service. Mm. You know, one of the reasons our, you know, democracy functions as well as it does is our civil servants maintain their impartiality. Now, you can't prize it over here for one institution and find it, you know, terribly inconvenient from the other. So, you know, if they're following the rules, they should be applauded, not... uh, not accused of being blobby and Pac-Man-ish. <laughs> Pac-Man's a great one. I hadn't heard that. <laughs> that is brilliant. Uh, well, it was extraordinarily <laughs> slow, Pac-Man. I, I, yeah. I don't actually remember Pac-Man all that well, but I seem to remember it, was, it gobbled up things pretty quickly. Yeah, you were speeding around. Uh-huh. I think it got faster, yeah. perhaps, as well, as time went on. Uh, right, let's turn... Unlike the rest of us. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
We are so pleased that Whitehall Sources is your favourite podcast. Thank you for finding us. Our favourite hotel is The Resident, who have hotels in London and Liverpool. Don't just take our word for it, though, as trustworthy as sources as we might be. Take this review from Louisa from just a few weeks ago in January. She stayed in Covent Garden and said, Great location. Room was so comfortable and clean. Shower was the best we had mm. during our month in Europe. Close to shopping and restaurants and multiple tube stations too. Covent Garden is the perfect area to stay. And let's double source this, shall we? Because East Coast Will stayed at the resident in February and said, Don't hesitate to book your stay here, especially if you plan to attend theatre events. It's a quiet, restful oasis, a relaxed enclave even in a very busy city. We are excited to return. So why not come to London, listen to Whitehall Sources on the way, and stay at The Resident for the full London experience. You can book your stay in The Resident in London or Liverpool. Just click residenthotels.com. Let us turn to um, some of some policy issues that are related to the Prime Minister's pledges that we talk about often on the podcast, uh, because on the day of recording on Wednesday, UK inflation has fallen to 8.7%. Um, but there is still kind of quite worrying news because some, some key measures of, of prices have continued to go up, i.e. the cost of living crisis is still real, um, particularly when it comes to things like food prices, for example. But actually, the, I suppose the broader picture feels like it's um, heading in a better direction, if I can fudge it like that. Uh, and I want to put that alongside the um, figures that are coming from the Office of National Statistics. Um, looking at migration um, in the last year, uh, Rishi Sunak's been writing actually in The Telegraph this week. Um, he has been talking about the announcement on Tuesday, which restricts the freedom of international students to bring dependent family members to the UK. And I suppose the message from that piece that he wrote is, net migration is simply too high, I will bring it down. Uh, he does keep... One thing I will say, um, Kirsty, as we chat about this, is he does keep us focused on the on the pledges that he has made, doesn't he? Because he, he keeps hitting those those five key spots in his in his messaging, whether that's on immigration or the economy or whatever. He, do, he does keep circling around them in quite a disciplined manner, it would seem. Yes. <laughs> Good to know that someone in the Conservative <laughs> Party has messaged discipline at its, at its, at its forefront. Uh, shame it doesn't cascade down to wider circles within, uh, within the entire Conservative Party. Uh, but hats off to Rishi for message discipline. And, and look, and that, and that is the point. Mm. Um, I think we were talking last week about, you know, having, having pledges that are both symbolic of the, of the values that you hold uh, as the most important and that therefore you hold them as the most important because you think those are the values that are the most important ones to your voters. Um, uh, and you, uh, you know, frankly hammer those home ad nauseum um, uh, until uh, until an election. So people, whether they can recite them ad nauseum, have a pretty decent understanding of of you know at least the sort of symbolic sense of what you stand for. Which you know, uh, when you talk about you know, th there's there's broadly sort of economic competence. Rishi has economic competence. Um, and then Rishi as you know, champion of people's priorities. So immigration and the NHS are two of them, and the others are around uh, trying to untangle uh, our economic mess left in part by 
well, in a lot by COVID uh, and in a fair chunk by Liz Truss. Um, and so uh, there is some good news here. I mean, it's a bit of a glass half empty, glass half full kind of kind of sense, isn't it? I mean, on the one hand, the IMF has announced this week that they've decided that Britain isn't now going into recession and isn't the slowest growing uh, economy in the G7. And that uh, unwanted title goes to Germany at the moment. Although, you know, if the IMF were... I feel that at some point down the line, we might cross over again. Who knows? But for now, uh, we are the second worst uh, in the G7 um, and we are mildly scraping out of recession by uh, a sort of, uh, you know, a painfully grow slow, uh, slow growth, but at least some growth. Um, and again, you know, yes, the inflation has fallen out of double digits, but it hasn't fallen as, as much as the Bank of England would have hoped. They were looking for something around 6% and it's 87 uh, The reason being for that primarily is two things. You know, so whilst obviously the fall is in large due to the, to the falling energy prices, uh, what, what's keeping it painfully buoyant is two things. One um, uh, is, is literally the cost of food. Um, and some of that is fueled by uh, the supply, global supply uh, side problems. But the other, the more important one, is the service sector. In other words, people's wages. Um, you know, people are quite understandably making demands uh, for higher wages because of the. This is where it becomes a bit of a kind mm. of you know vicious circle, if you like, because of of the high cost of living at the moment, and because we have an incredibly tight labour market. Uh, you know, quite often they're being met or, or, or you know, being close to being met um, because a lot of employees can, you know, vote with their feet, as it were. Yeah. Um, and so that that's going to prove a lot more stubborn to bring down, I suspect, than people would expect. And then, you know, even if it gets down to, to half of what it was, which I think is the is Rishi's pledge... That's not the same thing as, you know, food prices falling. That is the cost of things rising as opposed to food prices falling, if you see what I mean. Um, And again, it comes back to my point about, you know, when we get to an election, even if uh, Rishi can point to his five pledges, uh, uh, I would be astonished if... I mean, I I think stop the boats was a little bit heroic. Reduce (laughs) the boats, maybe. Yeah. you know, uh, but but if he can say, you know, you know, waiting lists are falling in the NHS, we've halved inflation, as we said, you know, debt is falling, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I point to the, you know, it, it, there will be statistics that will allow you to point to that. But it, if it doesn't translate into people uh, feeling better, uh, you know, and feeling materially better, coupled to the fact that, you know, Labour will remind people ad nauseum that Rishi Sunak is part of a what will be uh, then 14 years of, of conservative rule um, uh, it will be it will be very hard to make an argument for you know stick with us we're, we're kind of going in the right direction mm. if it just doesn't feel right um, and if you throw on top of that you know again a, a load of you know uh, conservative MPs fighting like ferrets in a fat sack over a, you know, <laughs> A war that by then will be like two years uh, in, you know, two years out of day. You know, mm. what's inspiring about that? I know. Can I just um, say, by the way, this is episode. I think this is episode thirty-eight of Whitehall Sources, 
and the number of times that we've had to reflect on the Conservatives being in meltdown about each other is on. It's honestly staggering. We've been, we, you know, we've been doing this every week for, uh, well, however many episodes that is. What seven or eight? Best part of seven or eight months, and it's still they still haven't haven't woken up to it. And I do wonder when. I mean, when do you think the next general election will be? Because if it's not, if 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 the Tory infighting is not resolved yet, what can resolve it between now and whenever the general election is? Well, I mean, the simple answer about what can resolve it, 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 frankly, is nothing. There is a, you know, it doesn't matter what proxy war they are fighting. The Conservatives are still fighting the same war. They're still fighting the, the, the you know, they're still banging on about Europe. Yeah. One way or another, they're still banging on about Europe. And if you think it's bad now, if they lose the election and Labour get into power and they start to talk about, you know, Britain entering a customs union, as opposed to the customs union, as I, as I used to like to say, number 10. Um, uh, it's that's, very that's really a funny that. story about that. Uh, but it, but, it, but it, that will, that, that's going to, to rip this wide open again um, because they haven't really made their, their peace uh, with this. They are, you know, they are frightened that, you know, there are parts of, uh, you know, sort of centre ground of the Conservative Party that that want to, in the event of another election, move towards a more, you know, sector-by-sector set of of new relationships with Europe. Um, And, you know, the the Boris war is, is, you know, it's, it's the point. They're not saying they're picking off you know, Boris lovers one by one. They're saying they're picking off Brexiteers one by one. Mm. They're already gearing up for another fight over Europe and that makes me want to go and lie down and put a damp cloth over my head because <laughs> the idea that, you know, we got Brexit done um, in the same way as I would like to drive a stake through its heart, <laughs> here it comes again. Nosferatu mm. Brexit. Woohoo. So, no, I don't think anything stops this. I think this continues until, I don't know, the Conservative Party splits into two parties mm. uh, or it just, you know, eats itself. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it, I don't know. But, could be but the, what I do know yeah. is if they lose the election, they yeah. will sit there and learn all the wrong lessons. Right. That's an interesting um, one, actually. We should do... We'll do an episode on lessons to be learned from elections. Um, did you want to do yeah. customs unions chat on uh, on this episode? Is that is that for off the podcast? Oh, no, no, no. T- no, it was just a funny one. There was a... <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, when I worked in number 10, um, I... Uh, used to brief the Sundays regularly. Mm-hmm. That was that was my job. Mm-hmm. But once every four weeks or what have you, I had to do the whole weekend road to which when I had to brief the Sunday journalists working into Monday papers, daily mm-hmm. papers. In other words, so I didn't have as close a relationship with them and I didn't know them as well. So we had a line which was designed to just knock on the head the idea that we were talking in any way, shape or form about a customs union post-Brexit. And the line was... We're not joining the customs union. We're not joining a customs union. <laughs> nice. Um, and so Bibbly Bobbly did the round of people, had a kind of, you know, a, a sort of general talk through, and this was the sort of key line. And I'm like, look, you know. Um, 
And then one of the journalists, who shall remain nameless, but worked for a for a for a you know a very pro Brexit paper, rang me back, and he's had a couple more questions. And I think partly because of just you know I was kind of like losing patience with it because you know you can ask me sixteen ways to Sunday, I'm sticking to my lines to take right because this is Brexit and I'm not mucking around. Yeah. Um, and I said, look. I don't know how else to, to tell you this. We're not joining the customs union. We're not joining a customs union. <laughs> and I was slightly sarcastic and a bit overemphasizing on the, you know, the uh and the the. And he went, and he went, oh. And I literally could feel my stomach drop. And I went, what do you mean, oh? Oh, no. And he said, well, that's a new line. And I said, with a slightly squeaky voice, I said, no, no, it's not. <gasps> We've said this a hundred times, which we had, but you know you're beginning to, like, doubt yourself. Yeah. And he went, no, no. He said, uh, he said, no one's ever said it with that much emphasis before. He said, that's definitely kind of, uh, you know. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God. And, and then he said, thanks very much. Got to put the phone oh, down. And no. I'm like, uh, uh, uh. So I rang the director of comms. I'm like, uh, I'm fairly sure that I've screwed up, but I'm not sure how. <laughs> um Oh, no. And so I said, look, this is what this is exactly what I said, and this is exactly how I said it. And Robbie said, well, that's the line. And I said, yeah. I said, so why does he think it's new? And I'm like, I don't know. Oh, no. And he said, just because of how you emphasised it. I said, yes, I think so. And then he said, why did you? I said, I don't know. I just did, because he kept on asking me over and over again. And then we rang the Prime Minister's official spokesman, oh, no. and, and we were like, you know... <laughs> Rob was like, this is the line, right? And it's like, yes, of course it's the line. It's like, well, why does ex-journalists think it's a new story? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> and so eventually, and it splashed the next day Did in the it? paper, you know, rules out joining a customs union. <laughs> like it was a new thing. Yeah. And it absolutely wasn't. A hundred percent, we'd said the line over and over again. But in those crazy days of peak Brexit... Mm. Because I'd said, uh, with a little bit more <laughs> emphasis than anyone had ever said it before, that walked that line onto the front page, even though it was as old as the hills and had hair on it. That's how old that line was. Just extraordinary. That is brilliant. <laughs> you, you accidentally committed news via emphasis. Emphasis on a, on a word. Emphasis or on, on a letter, an, uh. in fact, yeah. <laughs> That is amazing. Oh my days. Um well that's good message discipline. That's you know, that's what that's what the Conservatives need. Say the line a hundred times and eventually somebody will think it's new. Maybe that's what the um the, the Boris Beckers are thinking. Um thanks very much, Kirsty. <laughs> Great to chat to you, as always. Uh your thought by the way, if you've got questions for Kirsty. Uh, and we're going to we'll pick up our sort of regular rotation of guests from here on out as well. Just nice to have a couple of weeks with just Kirsty, though, isn't it? The the the, the Kirsty's rules of comms was one of my absolute favourite episodes because actually what you get is Kirsty Buchanan's wisdom for free on this podcast every single week. So it's always nice. To pick well, no one would pay for it, huh? <laughs> People did. They did. You were in there. They literally paid for it. Uh, uh, so if you want access to that, then email hello at whitehallsources.com anytime. Uh, and we will pick up with our regular guests from, from here on out as well. Uh, so there's lots of people to come, lots of dissection to come, lots of insight and analysis to come. We're so glad to have you there. Follow and subscribe, and we will drop into your podcast feed once again next week.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.